Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually from Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. We are back after a school holiday break. Thank you so much for letting us off the hook for two weeks so we could get some much needed R&R. I am the footy fan of the podcast, Rana Hussain, your host. And with me, as always, is AFL analyst and expert, Gemma Bastiani. Hello, Gemma. It's been a little while. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed time with your family for the holidays because it's been an incredibly tough two years, it nearly, year and a half. I can't, and I mean, I just have to look after myself. I can't imagine what you've been dealing with, you know. <laughs> looking after a child and having family to deal with and to look after. So you deserve the break for the holidays. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And I would spare a thought for my family who have to also deal with me (laughs) because I am not easy. Um, And they probably need a break too. Um, But this is a weird, look, we've had two weeks off. There were some amazing Sydney highlights over the last two weeks that made me giggle that we weren't able to talk about. I feel like I need to give you a few minutes just to kind of run through some of them. We'll get to this one soon, don't worry. We will. (laughs) But before we get to football, it was an incredible weekend of sport. Absolutely. I will, full disclosure, um, twice a week I have a family dinner to go to and where my whole family including my grandparents go and this evening all my brother's partner literally had the italian flag drawn on her face um they were watching replays uh (laughs) yeah and meanwhile i had the football on my phone at one end of the table and they were watching replays of the soccer or i should say football at the other end of course Um, you're talking about italy winning the the euro Euro. morning of recording did you watch it Yes, I watched the last, the second half and then the penalties, but I wasn't getting up that early, I'll be honest. I, you know, I don't care that much, um, <laughs> but I felt guilted by my Italian family a little bit. <laughs> Ever the true sports fan that I am. <laughs> I am your quintessential sports fan in that I don't really follow it all year round, but I will get up for a spectacle and a final. And so I was up at 4am. I'm impressed. The kickoff was five. Yeah. Still got up at four and I watched the whole thing. And then seeing that it went into penalties, I was like, I could have just gotten up at seven and watched penalties. And, <laughs> and you had to fine. work all day as well. And I've worked all day and I'm 
going to just be a little bit loopy, I think, from lack of sleep today. So we'll see how so this goes. So everyone should get excited. Get excited. You know I go a little bit nutty when, <laughs> when I've not had a lot of sleep, when I'm tired when we record. So we'll see how this goes. But we have to quickly mention Ash Barty. Did you watch Ash Barty? Yes, of course. And Dylan Alcott. Both of them won Wimbledon. Ash for the first time. Um, first time uh, an Australian woman has won since Yvonne Goolagong 50 years ago, who is so appropriately Ash's mentor. And it was just beautiful. And it's, that's always been Ash's dream, hasn't it, to win Wimbledon of all the, all the tournaments. So yeah, good. it was amazing. It was like just reminded me what I love about sport and how communal and wonderful it can be. It was just really wholesome and lovely. Um, And Dylan Alcott is up for a golden slam or something. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's why you win all four, right? In one one year or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. We're tennis experts here apparently. (laughs) Clearly. Maybe we should pivot to football, which... I am not an expert in, but no, <laughs> love you're pretty close that. to it. <laughs> I um, it, I honestly don't know. I watched so much sport this weekend that football is like has just kind of taken a little bit of a backseat this weekend for me. It's funny because I'm so used to not being able to see my men's team play live, and the fact that I've seen them play live two weeks in a row, I can't remember the last time that happened. And then I'll get to watch them again next weekend. It's so football is so front of mind for me because of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there has been other stuff yeah. going on, but the fact that I've gotten to get excited and actually go and see my team play has been so fun. And it's so, it's reminding me of earlier in the season when AFLW was on and I could go and see my teams play regularly. It's so weird and nice and fun. And I'm very tired. <laughs> I bet. So you're kind of happy that Sydney has a COVID outbreak. (laughs) I'm not happy about the outbreak, but I have benefited from the side impact of it. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Oh, well, I'm very happy for you. Let's get into it because we do need to talk about football. That's all we're here to do. It's footy, actually. Uh, Let's kick it off with our spotlight for the week. And a surprise win from St Kilda. Absolutely. Um, so I think the the really stark thing, it's, the Saints have won three in a row. Um, they had that Richmond win. And then last week, the concern was the fact that Collingwood came back so strongly in the final quarter. And they kicked, mm. Collingwood kicked the last six goals of the game. So even though the Saints were up by 43 points at three-quarter time, the final margin was only nine points. So a lot of questions were raised about St Kilda's effort, ability to actually win these games when they did that against Collingwood. Obviously, since then, both teams have kind of proven their credentials a little bit more with Collingwood having another big final quarter and the Saints having their own big end of a game. And that was a really important thing from the Saints was that they obviously rectified the thing that they didn't get right last week. And that's what you want to be seeing. So it was 20 minutes into the third quarter that Tim Membry kicked a goal to get the Saints back in front. They had a 13-point lead at three-quarter time. After that Tim Membry goal... They conceded just one goal to the Lions and kicked six of their own. 
And this is in stark contrast to last week where in the final quarter they kicked zero goals and Collingwood kicked six. So, and, and against a side like Brisbane where they just put the foot down and went. And I think that it, more than anything they've done this year, that last quarter against Brisbane tells you that there's something special there. Um, and then Do you think that they... Like, did they address that specifically, are you saying, in this? I feel like they had to have addressed that because that doesn't just happen. So whether they internally addressed it as a playing group uh, or Brett Ratton actually brought it to them, it had to be the front of their mind going into that final quarter, knowing what had happened the week before, knowing that they were taking it to Brisbane throughout that whole game and that they had the ability to win it if they just didn't let their brain fade and clearly it was Mm. foot down, go, go, go. And it was really fun to watch as well. That was the other thing. They were playing a style of footy that was really fun to watch. And Jack Steele was the one leading the way there. He ended up having, this is remarkable. He had 32 touches at 91% efficiency. That's incredible he had seven tackles six clearances kicked two goals in that so those last six goals he kicked two of those and he had nine score involvement so he was the one in the last quarter as the captain leading the way saying we're not doing this again and getting the job done and it was he was rewarded with it in the at the end of the game it was it was brilliant you I mean as a Brisbane fan this is worst nightmare type thing (laughs) totally especially with Hipwood going down with that ACL but Good for the Saints. Well, the real test will be next week when they play Port Adelaide at Marvel. We've talked about the inconsistency of St Kilda, but I would love to see them back it up with a win. That'll be four on the trot if they're able to. That's something that I don't think after some of those horrific, because they've had a 90-point loss and they've had nearly a 100-point loss from memory. If they... I don't think anyone would have expected them to turn around their season the way that they have been able to so far. The important part now is to actually continue that. Speaking of unexpected, the Swans, oh my goodness, I didn't expect this. I have to say the Swans have been my surprise team of this year. They've really not, they've performed so much better than I thought they would. Is that sacrilegious <laughs> to say to you? No, I mean, people have been tipping the Swans to be poor for the next ten years. Like, it's not <laughs> it's not surprising to me that people are surprised mm, because it's okay. also based on the media that exists. No one will really talk about Sydney unless they ever win like this one. So you don't mm. actually know what's happening there. Unless you're a fan who follows them closely, obviously. Yeah. Well, they beat the Western Bulldogs, uh, genuine premiership contenders. Beat them. Just outright beat them by 19 (laughs) points. (laughs) They've beaten three of the top four sides. Yeah, the only loss was that one to Melbourne uh, by nine points, Mm. Um, which uh, it was still quite a good showing. So, you know... They've got a pretty good track record against, um, you know, the best sides in the comp, which I think gives them confidence. Are you saying, though, that that Sydney Swans are being good and we're just all not noticing it? Um, No, not necessarily that, but I think 
uh, it might seem like it's coming from nowhere because maybe last year no one really talked about them. They finished 16th, but they had a high percentage and you could see kind of the machinations of what was coming, but Mm. no one really takes an interest in a non-Victorian team unless they're going very, very badly or very, very well. So Mm. when they all of a sudden are playing well and beating the top teams in the comp, it seems like it's come from nowhere and a surprise, but if you had been watching them closely, it's not as much like, I think Frio are similar in that respect. Like I think a few people are surprised that they're in the eight right now, but if you've been watching the way that they've been tracking towards this, it's not necessarily a surprise, but now they're being talked about. Mm, Okay. You were at Marvel for this game. What did you see? So the dogs obviously got the fast start. They got a goal within 17 seconds and Swans fans are scarred by the Western Bulldogs. So it was uh, <laughs> panic stations immediately because uh, it was a very quick clearance and it was a goal for, kicked from outside 50 and it was just like, oh, God damn, what's going to happen here? But the Swans took control after that. And even though they were absolutely destroyed in terms of clearances, it was like they lost it. 46 to 26 and they lost the inside 50s 52 to 47 it was like the swans had prepared to lose the clear lose the clearances but knowing that they could win the ball back on the outside and use the run and the really clean disposal efficiency around the ground to control the game um Mm -hmm. so often you know the dogs were sharking the taps from tom hickey but it didn't worry the Swans too much because once the dogs wanted to get that handball game going, they interrupted it. They applied the pressure. Then once they had possession, they were hitting targets, which is super important. So nine Swans, I I think this is a stat I've used on the podcast before from a previous game, but nine Swans in the game had a disposal efficiency of 80 or above, 80% or above. That was a combination of 175 disposals that were being used at 80% or above. James Bell, I think had nine disposals, something at a hundred percent. Gemma, what does that mean? I'm confused. What is disposal efficiency? No, but like all the numbers you just said. <laughs> so it, it means that the they're using the ball well. It means they're finding their targets and they're not turning the ball over or conceding okay. it off their own possession. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is a swan, which is, what we could see happening last year and maybe even the year before. But I think people are confused by it because it's not the swans of old because people still seem to think, and I'm going to say Jared Healy is the guy who still seems to think that, oh, the swans, we know what we're going to get. They're a contested ball team. When that's not the case, like it's absolutely not the case. We, we just talked about the clearances being lost by 20, but they still went and won the game because once they win it on the outside, they're getting into the hands of runners. So it's Justin McInerney, who is so crucial to the game plan. It's Jordan Dawson who kicked three goals and we'll get to him in a moment. It's runners off half back like Harry Cunningham. It's Nick Blakey who's playing out of the back line as well. It's Ollie Florent. It's players like that who once you get into their hands, Errol Goulden, they will either run or they're very, very smart and able to hit up really clean kicks to a teammate, generally kicking into the corridor and moving a defense. And then the forward line was really smart in the way that they stretched an already probably 
weakened Western Bulldogs defense. So they did the work up the ground and then were complemented by the way the forward line was choosing to work. And being able to watch the full ground performance there, it was very obvious that they were continuing to do that. And the dogs didn't really have any answers because their back line is struggling. They don't have Easton Wood there. They were probably still a fairly weak back line with Easton Wood there. And then obviously without Aaron Norton in the side, um, the marking ability of the Swans' defence really took control. So Tom McCartan, who is brilliant and is one of my favourite players, um, I feel like I have to give a caveat for that because of bias or whatever, but he's one of my four badge players. One of the four players I have on a badge on my scarf, I should say that. Um, he, he took four contested marks in this game out of um, and had 11 intercepts, 11 spoils, and he had 16 disposals at 94%. So again, he was winning the ball back and also then using it very well coming out of defense to then create score. So the Swans are a team that like to score coming out of the back half of the ground. And then Jordan Dawson is the other one who got the 10 coaches votes, deserved. He kicked three goals in the first half when the game was really there to be won or lost for Sydney. He had 26 disposals, took six marks. Three of those were contested. So he's playing more of a wing role rather than in defense now. Nick Blakey's kind of moved into that defensive role. And Dawson and um, Justin McInerney is also playing in defense now. And Dawson's starting every center bounce on the wing. So his clean kicking is being used going both ways. But then he's able to push forward and actually have shots on goal as well, which has leveled the Swans up that little bit because he's a beautiful kick. So everything's kind of clicking. And then imagine when a Chad Warner comes back, you know, players like that who then just add that little bit more. Um, There's not too much to be mad about with the Swans right now. All right. I've let you have that. (laughs) (laughs) That is no more about this. You you looked so bored through that whole thing, but I enjoyed it. I was just listening to you like, she's so happy right now. Well, as I said, it's just, it's so, I enjoy being able to go and watch them live to be able to actually see what they're doing structurally, Mm. because it's something that I very rarely get to do. I can go and see other teams do that regularly, but with the Swans, because they very, you know, COVID willing, they very rarely play many games in Melbourne. So you see one and then you don't get to see another one for six weeks and things have changed significantly by then. But now mm. seeing it back-to-back weeks, you re- can really understand what's going on. And it's, I, that's what I find joy, enjoyable. That is the real issue with our game is that it is not made for television. And so... Well, it's also... Just... Yeah. You'd think with the technology available now, like I've literally got KO on right now while we're recording, watching the Monday night game. Mm. It, you know, there's, how hard is it to put one extra stream of just behind the goals vision with crowd noise? I... I know that that's not the, you know, general public, something that they'll watch. But for the people that do want to do that, how much extra could that cost? But there is an audience for that. Like even I'm finding now that I watch the play and I think, I just really want to see what's happening off screen. Like I need to see it to understand actually what's being done here. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. It doesn't, it's, a weird one, AFL and broadcast. I don't know how they can make it better, but they need to because really to get the get a better understanding of what even what coaches are doing, mm. you need the full ground anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I was going to ask you about last week's win against West Coast, but I'm not going to now because that's enough for me. Can I say one, <laughs> like, couple of words about that? <laughs> yes, go for it. Errol Goulden and Tom Papley in the long sleeve Guernseys. I'm a fan. Keep doing it. Oh, wait. Okay. The one thing I took away from this game against <laughs> Bulldogs was the jumper. Yeah. It is so nice. Oh, my gosh. The only thing it I needs is that. the collar because the last Heritage yeah. Guernsey they wore had the collar, which was made it just that tiny bit better. Yeah, it was the Heritage Guernsey. That's right. It was just so beautiful. Anyway. Yeah. No more Sydney Swans for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Until I, have, we... I haven't put them in anywhere else. So <laughs> I have to preview them for next week. <laughs> no more from you. Um. <laughs> You've got one more spotlight, which I'm dying to hear about because I didn't get to watch this game. And I once I saw the score, I was so sad that I missed it. Of course, of course, we're talking about the Suns who beat the Giants by one point. Yeah, so this is a fun one because I'll uh, admit I was sitting at Marvel Stadium watching this on my phone before the Swans game started. <laughs> Um, this is how desperate I was to watch this game. Um, so the the Suns beat Richmond last week in that surprise win. Um, and, you know, it was really enjoyable to watch because they were able to just find their own brand of footy and get back to that. And so often we've seen the Suns do that and then not be able to do it the following week. They did it again the following week this time and they found that consistency across a fortnight, which we hopefully will see continue. Um, they came from behind. So Miller, Rao and Swallow were the ones who kicked the goals in the final quarter for the Suns to win. And that is an encapsulation of what the Suns are. So Miller is their star. Rao is their up-and-coming talent. And Swallow is their captain, Stalwart, who's been there since the beginning. But the more important thing was that they backed up the pressure. And we've talked on this podcast more than once about how when the Suns are able to bring that pressure they either challenge very good teams or beat good teams. We've seen it happen. So when they were able to bring the pressure this week, I know it was just a one-point win, but they got the win. They forced the Giants to use the ball poorly. They forced turnovers and scored from that. And it's just, it feels like such an obvious answer for them because every time they have brought that high-pressure game, they've done very well. Um, and, you know, can take pride out of the game that they've just played. But there were two standout players in this game. So Took Miller, everyone's kind of talking about, absolutely should be All-Australian this year, has been just a super consistent, reliable player for the Suns. He had 35 touches, 14 tackles, 11 clearances and two goals. That's like actually the first time a player has ever had those sorts of numbers across all four of those categories. First time ever. It's remarkable. And then on the other side for the uh, Giants, sorry, I get the, I keep going to say Suns because they both came in at the same time. They have the same colors, really. I and they both the start with a G. It messes with my head. Jacob Very Hopper weird, yeah. had 41 disposals. He laid five tackles, had 12 clearances, and he had 940 meters gained. Seven players in the competition this year have had over 900 uh, metres gained in a single game. Seven across every team for the whole year so far, 16 rounds. He is the seventh. 
Like that's that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, just on the suns, I feel like this they're cooking something up there. I don't know if, if that things are starting to sh- to take shape. <laughs> but this is the um, thing: we always feel like that, and then they let us down. Yes, and the, I think part of that is because they don't have the top end talent mm. that's mature. Like their mm. leaders aren't great. You know, or amazing. they're perpetually injured. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost, you know, they've lost a number of their key, you know, marquee players. Well, look, it was the game to watch and I missed it. But <laughs> who knew? This season has been amazing, to be honest, with upsets and just anyone can win. This round Great. has been wild. This round, oh. I mean, as we as we record, North Melbourne are beating the West Coast Eagles over at Optus Stadium. Oh, look, it's all up for grabs this season and I kind of love it. That's what it should be, I think. Chaos. Um, we love chaos. chaos. Yeah, right? <laughs> Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, we've just talked about all the things we loved from the round, so we're going to have to balance it out with the segment called Pull Your Socks Up. Who would you like to call out first, Gemma? So uh, there has been a conversation that has been happening since the floating fixture has come back in the men's competition that has just bored me to tears, and I'm so sick of that being the conversation every time a fixture is announced. And that that conversation is about the fixture and just complaining about fixturing, whether it's a fan complaining that their team has to play at 4pm on a Sunday because their team shouldn't have to play then, other people's team should have to play then, or, oh, the Gold Coast Suns got a Thursday night game, which they ended up winning in glorious fashion. So, like, I'm just really bored of the c- complaints about things that don't really matter. Like we but always so we like we went through last year months without football, and you'd think after that we would have learned to just be actually really pleased and happy that we're getting a game in the first yeah. place. Yeah, but that's and what it blows my mind. I'm just so confused how the automatic response to anything at the moment is just negativity, however possible, and whether it's complaining that your team has to play at 4 p.m. on a Sunday or complaining that 
X or Y happened or complaining about umpires. I'm just like, it's such a boring way of living. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I find such joy in footy. <laughs> And whether my team is playing at 3 p.m. on a Sunday in what's meant to be game of the round, I don't really care. And obviously I don't have to consider, oh, my kids need to be ready for school the next day or whatever. But I don't know. It's just such a weird focal point at the moment that's blown up everywhere. All right. Well, people complaining about the fixtures, pull your socks up. (laughs) Um, I'm on a similar vein to that, really. I'm going to ask Richmond fans to pull their socks up, but specifically the Richmond fans who are, have already called it and are saying that Richmond are over. And <laughs> Richmond are over. <laughs> it's just like a, there's, you see it in the comment section on the Richmond's posts. There's just, they're not, it's not, general public or media who were saying the dynasty's over but their own fans who were saying that it's all over and I just think have a little faith I think this year might be over for Richmond but I think they've got a pretty good list they'll lose some at the end of this year but they've got two really good draft picks I think the head coach can coach and the club's I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> I think next year they're still in contention and they will bounce back. That's my read. But I think regardless, if you're a fan, like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Don't do jump you think off. lockdowns have caused different perspectives or caused more of this negativity or do you think it's always like this and we just haven't noticed as much? I feel like it's always like this. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do get people feeling everything more with mm. the global pandemic. Everything does feel a bit heightened and like it matters more because you kind of just channel your feelings into this. But I think we've, I think this element of fandom has always been there. Yeah. Well, Gemma, it's time for the presser, my favourite segment. This is, of course, where we ask the questions we would love to ask if we were in the press conference. You've got a question for Stuart Dew. Yeah, so I think this is one that I have brought up before. Uh, But I want to know what the strategy is in terms of capitalising the momentum that they've got right now. They've had what, two good wins in a row? How do you capitalise on that? Because, again, too often they've let us down in the past, showing what they can do and then not backing it up the following week. I want to know how they're going to go about heading into this um, game against the Dogs next weekend and showing something. We're, We're not necessarily asking for a win against the Dogs, but don't don't be destroyed. Don't capitulate because that's where everything disappears again. And it takes you another four weeks to get the confidence back up. So Mm. how do you capitalize on the momentum you have right now coming into a very difficult game? Oh, I actually really want to hear his answer to that. That is a really good question. Why? Thank you. (laughs) 
such a shame. <laughs> this segment is always so dissatisfying because you come up with some great questions and like, well, now I want to hear the answer to that. <laughs> Be in the press conference. That's the answer. Look, I have a question for an ex-coach and that is Nathan Buckley. And really all I want to ask is, how you doing? How's it going? I, I just noticed how you wrote that in our doc and that made me lose my mind. For, for those listening at home, it literally just says Nathan Buckley dot, dot, dot. How's it going? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to know, are you watching the games? I want to know, is he still riding every bump or has he switched it off completely? I want to know what he's eating for breakfast. I'm just curious, like, what's going on? Is he, like, on the couch eating Krispy Kremes? I'm just, that's, that's Maybe he's enjoying know. time with his kids, Rana. It's probably what he is doing. And if so, <laughs> let us know where you at. He probably, that's the last thing he wants to do, but I'm curious. But also, like, I wonder, I know they've only won one game since he's gone, but still, I wonder if he was like, bloody hell, they beat Richmond and it wasn't me. I mean, his last game was a win over Melbourne, so. True. (laughs) You're shaking your head. (laughs) I am shaking my head. All right. Well, speaking of Melbourne, let's talk about the play on performer of the round. You got Melbourne in your sights here. Yeah. So I could have chosen so many players this weekend because there were some exceptional individual performances. So we talked about Took Miller. We talked about Jordan Dawson. We talked about Jack Steele. I mean, Caleb Sarong had 10 clearances of Ozone for Frio in that big win. Archie Perkins kicked three goals and Absolutely should be the Rising Star nominee this week. Um, We don't know yet because we're recording on Monday night before the round has finished. But the player I want to focus on is Christian Petrarca because it was so important in this game against Port for Melbourne to control the midfield. Because against Port, if you can control the midfield, you're able to stop a lot of their scoring opportunities because they do want to score from stoppage so much. So if you can control that then you're more, far more likely to win the game. Petrarca kind of, it seemed like he put that on his back, put that backpack on and just went to work. So he had 33 disposals at 79%, which is very good for an inside midfielder to use the ball that well. This is why before when I was talking about Jack Steele, I was amazed. He had six tackles, seven clearances, 788 metres gained, 10 score involvements and kicked three goals. That's a remarkable performance from someone who knows they needed that win and knew that he had to be the guy to make it happen. And I just think that is worth discussing. It's such a shame that he won't. I don't think he will poll that well in the Brownlow. I actually had him tipped to win it this year, but I think Bont and Pally has that covered, right? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because there are a few players. I mean, Took Miller should poll very, very well. Who's taking votes from him at Gold Coast? Mm. Um, you know, Clayton Oliver and um, Christian Petrarca will probably raffle the threes and twos between them quite regularly. I don't know. I just so- don't think he'll end up clocking up enough to be really up there. See, we thought that about um, Angus Brayshaw, remember, and he didn't even get invited to the brown line. He came third. 
That's true. Well, Petrarca should be invited. I mean, I think Petrarca was invited that year that Brayshaw came. <laughs> he was, he was. Anyway, send out the invitation now, AFL, just saying, just quietly to him and Clayton Oliver. But hopefully they're not drinking because they'll be playing in a grand final. Okay, that's enough for this round. Let's look at the next round. You're previewing St Kilda versus Port Adelaide. This is at Marvel Stadium. I think we talked about it earlier. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I just think that this will tell us a lot about both teams. So the whole idea that Port are flat track bullies, um, they're only able to beat teams below them on the ladder, you know, all that sort of stuff. By all rights, they should come into this game and beat St Kilda. With the form that St Kilda is in at the moment, St Kilda absolutely have the right to win this game as well. And it's at Marvel Stadium. That's their home ground. I think it tells us a lot about the winner and it also will tell us a lot about the loser. So I'm very curious to see how this game pans out. It's definitely one to watch. And like we talked about earlier, I'm really keen to see how St Kilda backs up after that win. I really hope they do something special because I would love to see it. Did you say it would be four in a row? I think it'll be four in the row for the Saints if they win this one. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about GWS versus your Sydney Swans. This is in Ballarat. Am I right? It is. I can't wait to freeze my ass off. (laughs) You're going to go and watch this game because you will follow Sydney to the end of the earth. Or just within borders that I'm allowed to travel (laughs) within. (laughs) Uh, This is exciting because it's the Derby or Derby, not in Sydney. Sydney at all it's the derby not in Sydney at all uh it should be very interesting I don't really have anything else to say except that I think it's funny that they're playing in Ballarat well we should make the joke about it's the technically the Giants home game and they wanted it to be at a neutral venue and that's why it's in Ballarat and not at Geelong so that's funny because Geelong Sydney second home I love that um Lockie Whitfield has already been ruled out for the uh, Giants as well so that's a big loss for them. I really want the Giants to win. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Just to rile you up. Do you I, want me I, to be happy, Rana? The Swans won so Melbourne could stay on top of the ladder this weekend. The least you true. could do is reciprocate. Okay. All right. Fine. I will wish for Sydney to win. I do like that in our notes I've put them as SS, which makes yeah. me it's not quite the brand world war ii for my liking (laughs) not quite the brand they're going with uh hey by the way on still on sydney good luck for your aflw bid (gasps) yeah um i just realized we haven't had an episode since my article came out no we i did say no more sydney from you but i will allow (laughs) but if people go to the sydney swans website there's a Photos of baby Gemma in Swans Guernseys. I've poured over the pictures. (laughs) I loved it. It was very cute. It's a very cute young Gemma. All right. Let's get to our tips and some listener questions. Let's kick it off with Thursday night. Freo Dockers versus Geelong Cats at Optus Stadium. I think Geelong will win this. 
So this is the old team versus the young team, plus yeah. David Mundy. Um, <laughs> I'm backing in Frio here. I clearly have a bias towards Frio, I suppose. I like them a lot. I like what they're building. And the fact that Geelong still five years later can't work out what ruck situation they want to set up while Sean Darcy is just destroying everything that comes in his path. I think that really gives Frio a little bit, a little bit of leg up. Oh, don't get me wrong. I want Frio to win. (laughs) Just not sure that they will. But anyway, Friday night, Richmond versus Brisbane Lions at the MCG. I mean, I really actually don't know about this one. I know on paper Brisbane should win this, but I feel like Richmond will win this game. If there was ever a game for Richmond to bounce back with, it would be this one, Uh, especially with Hipwood out. I don't know how that impacts Brisbane structurally, Mm. but I think we've got to remember that Brisbane are also going to attempt to bounce back from a poor loss as well. Um, I'm going to back Brisbane in for this one. Probably the safe bet. Moving on to Saturday, GWS versus Sydney. We've just spoken about it. Think Sydney have this. (laughs) I so thought you were going to tip GWS. Um, I'm clearly tipping the Swans, which probably, you know, cuts me open now, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) Well, we will see. Uh, Gold Coast Suns will play Western Bulldogs. Oh, dogs. Doggies have this. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, it would be remarkable if the Suns won. It would be, that would truly be the definition of chaos. (laughs) Well, if there's a season for it, it's this season. Uh, Melbourne will play Hawthorne. I think Melbourne will win this. Yeah, Melbourne. God, I'm nervous. I, just Hawthorne make me nervous. No, Jaff, that is a huge no loss Jeff. for Hawthorne. Yeah. He generates so much for them out of defence. He really does. Uh, St Kilda versus Port Adelaide. We talked about it already. I think Port Adelaide will win this. Yeah, St Kilda's midfield I don't think can do what teams need to do to beat Port. On Sunday, North Melbourne will play Essendon. I think Essendon have this, hopefully. Yeah, Essendon. So Collingwood will play Carlton on Sunday as well. I'm going to go Carlton just to see what happens. I, I don't feel Collingwood confident. Will... I don't no. feel confident about that. There's no way to feel confident about either of those teams. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> but I actually think Collingwood will back it up and win this one. Yeah. But again, who knows? And then Adelaide will play West Coast Eagles. Where is that in Adelaide? That is at Adelaide Oval. Can you tip neither team? Mm, Can I sit on the fence and tip a draw? Because it's not going to be a good game. Well, I also think it hangs in the balance of whether West Coast win tonight. Well, North just kicked another goal. With 12 minutes 47 left, it's a four-point margin. The Eagles have kicked 7-12. I'm going to tip West Coast, but I think it's anyone's game. I'm going to do exactly the same. All right. Let's get some listener questions in. So you have one for me, then I have one for you. Yes. Well, I'm going to kick it off. First question for you, Gemma. What are the chances of the Swans versus Frio game being at Optus Stadium for Monday's 350th game? 
So this question comes from Mel, who's a big Frio fan. Um, hi, Mel. Hi, Mel. To be honest, I have no idea what the chances of that are. Is that what the track, what it's tracking toward? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I haven't even looked. I haven't even thought about it. But that would be cool if the Swans could be involved in Monday's 350th because he's a champion. Um, and, I mean, the Swans should be able to get over to Optus. They've been in Melbourne for long enough that they should be able to go there. So it could be quite a good spectacle. But mm. also I, th- I think they've already played over at Optus this year. I could be wrong. When Nat Five kicked that goal, to win after he couldn't kick to save his life for about two months. Yeah. I haven't forgotten. Um, Okay. We have one last thing. I've got a question for you. And this question is from Cal Rowe, who is a Carlton supporter. Is Teague on borrowed time, Rana? Oh, he is, is my answer, but he shouldn't be. I don't think. Yeah. I think actually think we need to, to give coaches more time, which is really weird to say. And I know that's not how sport works. And by more time, I suppose, I mean more support, just let them breathe a little bit. And I think I think David Teague is a little bit hard done by, but I don't think that he will last. I think the machine will get him and he'll be gone. I'm curious, what's your opinion on reshuffling the support around him rather than moving him on so quickly. Mm. It's interesting because I did that to Nathan Buckley and they made even David Hardwick as well. And it seemed to work for Dimmer. Uh, so who knows? I mean, look, I'm not close enough to it to really know, but it feels like maybe there's something going on there that they're willing to put him under the bus for that I don't think is necessarily about him. Well, it's just that they've gone through three coaches in less than a decade, right? I I mean, I could be slightly wrong with the numbers because I haven't actually looked at it, but three coaches in less than a decade, but the assistants haven't changed a lot and the board hasn't changed a lot. So surely it's not all on the head coach. No, that's what I mean. I think there's more going on there than uh, it, you know, than just blaming the head coach. I think that that's not, to your point, they've tried to change that up and it hasn't worked. So maybe look at something else. Yeah. Should I mention that I make it really hard for you to yes, I think you <laughs> put a co- cogent thought together because I'm watching this final quarter of this game and making all the faces in the world. So I feel like I should... Just mention that before we wrap Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it's my that. fault that you're getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You better give me a good edit. That's all I have to say. I always do. You do. You do. All right. Well, let's wrap this up so we can watch the end of this game. Uh, any final thoughts, Gemma? Just that people should go and read my article on the Sydney Swans website. I've linked it on my Twitter. So go and follow me on Twitter as well, GL Bastiani. Um, Go the Swans in terms of AFLW, but mostly just go AFLW. All four bids have been submitted. So now we just wait with bated breath um, to see what expansion looks like. I'm very excited. And also the AFLW draft is on the 27th of July. So it's in two weeks time on 
it's a Tuesday and it's at, I think half six in the after, in the evening and it'll be streamed digitally for you to all check it out. So um, go and do that. I think Siren will be running a discord chat voice channel for the duration of the draft as well. So if you're interested in that, hit me up and I'll make sure you're included in that to be part of our little community. Uh, I am at Rhinohus on Twitter. You can find me there. Come and say hello. Uh, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> Yeah. I really want to watch this the end of this game. <laughs> uh, if that's it, who needs love when you've got footy, actually? The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.